Welcome to Cal St. G Academy, the educational podcast of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. These podcasts are intended to inform and deepen your faith so that you can share your faith thoughtfully with the world around you. For more information about the parish, go to calvarystgeorges.org. And now, break out your moleskin prayer journal, and let's get started. The Year of the Bible is a series of Cal St. G Academy. Each episode will cover a new book of the Bible in a concise, in-depth, and ultimately edifying way. These lectures are recorded live each week at Calvary Church in New York City. Today is going to be a laser. I'm casting aside, at least for today, the 1,000-foot view, 100-foot view, and we are going to get right in there. We're going to take a look at three books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three books of the New Testament, they're all what we call Gospels. Now, Jake and I oftentimes will talk about the Gospel. This is a different thing. It's not entirely different, but it is a little bit. When we talk about the Gospel, we're talking about the proclamation of the Gospel, like it's found in St. Paul's letters. And what is... Jake always say the gospel is the one-way love of God for suffering sinners like you and me. But today, I'm going to talk about the capital G Gospels. Now, there are four Gospels that are found in our Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Next week, Chris Vieira is going to take us through the Gospel of John, or the fourth Gospel. Today, I'm taking a look Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the reason I'm putting them together is, one, we don't have all the time in the world to look at all these things. You could spend a whole semester taking a look at one of these Gospels. We're going to take a look at all the books in the New Testament in like 13 weeks. So, partially, I'm putting these books together because we don't have the time to do that. Maybe in the future, we'll take a look at one book very thoroughly. But the logic for putting them all together is that these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and if you're into note-taking, this isn't a bad one to put down, they've been called throughout history the Synoptic Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Synoptic Gospels. The Gospel of John, not a Synoptic Gospel. (laughs) And the reason why they're called the Synoptic Gospels is because these three Gospels have the same synopsis. What a concept. So essentially, the structure for Matthew, Mark, and Luke is the same. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these Gospels, they are historical documents for sure. They are biographies of the ancient sort for sure. But more than a biography, more than a historical document, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a literary agenda. So it's not just saying, here are, here's the life of Christ in like chronological order that's completely disinterested. No, these Gospels have an agenda, unashamedly so. So what is their agenda? All three of these Gospels are trying to get you, the hearer, or you, the reader, 
to answer the question, who do you say that Jesus is? In fact, when you take a look at the Gospels later this week, you will see that throughout them, Jesus asks his disciples, he asks his judges, he asks all kinds of people, who do you say that I am? And these Gospel writers have written these Gospels in such a way, with such an art, that you start to realize as the reader that the author is asking you this question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Sure, it's put in the form of an, of an ask to a character in the story, but you'll see the reason why these aren't strict biographical documents is that things are out of order. In fact, right after the transfiguration, right? Right after Peter says, essentially, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And then Jesus says, the Messiah must suffer and die. He goes and says, you must take up your cross and follow me. Now, this doesn't make any sense that Jesus obviously did not say that right after the transfiguration because the cross doesn't make any sense to them yet. But this is what Jesus tells the church after And then they insert it right after the transfiguration because the gospel writers have a literary agenda. Now, in case you're worried, that's not me being a liberal or something like that. That is just how this literature works. In fact, in case you've never been to any of these, I have a very high view of scripture. So with that said, we're going to really take a look at this. And the whole time, we're keeping in mind the purpose of, of these documents, of these Gospels, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke is, who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus? So, I said these Gospels all share the same synopsis. They tell the story of Jesus' life in roughly the same order. Um, and they all kind of, they all have the baptism. Now, they don't all start with the, the birth of Jesus. Mark does not have a birth. What these three synoptics share is the baptism of Jesus at the beginning. And at the beginning, at Jesus' baptism, what happens? We hear a voice, and that voice says, You, or this, is my beloved Son. So at the very beginning of the story, the Gospelers tell us, This Jesus is God's Son. In fact, at the beginning of Mark, at the very first sentence is, this is the account of Jesus, the Messiah. Now, God's Son, or the Son of God, is a messianic term. So when you hear Messiah, when you hear Son of God, when you hear terms similarly used, Christ, these are all either the word Messiah or messianic terms. And Messiah, the Messiah is a king, is the king, the king of Israel, in the line of the kings like David. So at the very beginning, we have the baptism. We are let in on what the disciples and others are let in on. This is God's son. Now, all three of these gospels reach a high point in the other episode they all share. And that episode is the transfiguration. 
But right around the transfiguration, in some Gospels right before and others right after, Jesus asked his disciples that question. Who do you say that I am? He's asked others, and they've had their answers. He's like Elijah. He's like this prophet. Then he finally asked his own disciples, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, the mouthpiece of the rest of them, the one who's always quick to speak, says it. And he answers correctly. For you and I have been let in on it at the very beginning with Mark's little kind of intro to us, Peter finally says, you are the Messiah, the Christ. And to this, Jesus says, you have answered correctly. And right after this, Jesus says, oh, and so the Messiah, the Messiah must suffer and die and on the third day be raised. And at this, Peter is like, no, 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 that's not how it works. That's not how... Kings, the kings of Israel have been. They don't die. They're, they're like David. They take over. They make us great. And this is that famous episode where Jesus tells his best friend, get behind me, Satan. And why does he say that? Because what Peter is saying is a whole lot like the temptations in the wilderness, right? If you are the son of God... It's essentially that the Satan is inviting Jesus to be a Messiah like Peter wants. So here, Peter is reiterating that temptation. So, Peter gets it right, but half right. And in getting it half right, he gets it completely wrong. So, we can't just say, for, as an answer to the question, who is Jesus? Well, he's the Messiah. The correct answer is, well, what kind of Messiah? Everyone around this time is waiting for a Messiah. There's messianic fervor is in the air. But Jesus is saying, I am a different covenant of Messiah. And we'll talk about that in a second. So, then we have the transfiguration, right? These Gospels all have that. Do you remember the transfiguration? In the transfiguration, Jesus goes with uh, uh, Peter, John, and James up the mountain, and he gets transfigured before their eyes. And who shows up? Elijah and Moses. We just went through the whole Old Testament. Those are the all-stars of the Hebrew Bible. And they represent Moses, the law, and the prophets. Not just in theory, but even the books that we've just spent a whole semester going over. And Peter, once again, right? Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll make booths for all of you. And we hear the voice from heaven. We hear the voice from heaven. And what does the voice say? It says the same thing that the voice said at the baptism. Again, an episode they all share. This is my son. And in some of them, he adds, listen to him. Essentially putting forward even further these two, the law and the prophets. And on some level, all of the Old Testament points to him, to this one, the Messiah. But what kind of Messiah? Who is this Jesus? Now, we also have in all three of these Gospels, we see When Jesus goes into Jerusalem to suffer and die, we see him, uh, the triumphal entry, right, that we do on Palm Sunday, right? We have the palms, 
And we say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, Messiah means king. We're saying, blessed is the Messiah who comes in the name of the Lord. This is what the people are saying, and they are proclaiming his identity. This is who Jesus is, the Messiah. And in so doing, this generates all this buzz, and it's around the time of a holiday when Jews from all over the diaspora, remember the exile had taken place, and the, the kingdom had been destroyed, and Jews are everywhere where they A lot of them come together in Jerusalem for this holiday, and this gets Roman governors upset and scared, because what if there's an uprising? Here they're saying, this is their true king, but Herod doesn't want anything to do with that. Pilate wants nothing to do with that. Pilate says, I'm the governor. Herod, I'm the king. Here's someone who is essentially trying to take power, or so they see it, much like what the people want. So again, even here, right, we're told this is the Messiah. This is the King. This is echoed in all three of these Gospels. All of these episodes are in them. Now, if you remember, when Jesus is arrested um, and he's brought before Herod and Pilate and the Sanhedrin, and they're all saying, essentially, you claim to be the king of the Jews. You claim this. Are you the Messiah? Are you the king? They're trying to trip him up, right? And he says, what does he say? You are saying it. Again, think of that literary agenda. He's essentially saying, you're answering the question that I'm asking. And so in some way, the the one being judged becomes the judge, right? He's judging those who are judging by saying, essentially, we can have all kinds of ideas for who Jesus is, but I'm the judge. I'm the adjudicator. You are saying who I am. You get it. Uh, And the, the really interesting thing to me is that after Pilate puts Jesus on the cross, right? He washes his hands clean. He doesn't really want anything to do with it. And he demands that above the cross is put here, the king of the Jews. So he's saying who he is. But where do we get the answer to the question? And why do all three Gospels spend so much time on the passion? Mark doesn't spend any time on the resurrection. They are interested in the passion. Because again, they're trying to get you to answer this question. And who is the person who gets the question right? It's not the leaders of Israel. It's not Peter. It's not the crowds. It's the Roman centurion, an outsider, someone who has no business getting this right. He's the one who, as Jesus is dying on the cross, says, surely this man was the Son of God. Now, he hasn't said anything differently than Peter or than some other people. So why does he get it right? And this is why these Gospels are written for you and me. He gets it right because we see in that moment, we can only understand Jesus as a Messiah if we understand him as the suffering Messiah, the king who came to die for his people. 
This is the kind of Messiah who Jesus is. So who is Jesus? Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? As the disciples say earlier in the account. Who is this who does these marvelous healings? Who is this who teaches, unlike our scribes, but one who has his own authority? The Messiah, the King, the Son of God, who suffers to defeat sin and to save his people. You see, these Gospels say the Messiah is like the king found in Isaiah 53. This is why we didn't just jump into the New Testament. We need the Old Testament. Isaiah 53 makes clear to us that this is the suffering king. This is the one who we should be looking for. So the answer to the question, friends, is that Jesus does not come in just to kick the Romans out and be established like David. He is a new David. He is a new king. One who lays his life down for his people. And that is why when we're called to be Christ-like, do we seize power? We take up our cross. Much like he says right after he tells Peter that he is the Messiah who suffers and dies for his people. So I really kind of want to end there. I could give you a whole lot of details, but this is the forest. I invite you to take a look at these three Gospels because there are differences, and they definitely have different emphases at times, emphases, But this is what they're doing. And it's not that John is doing something terribly different, but John does it in a different way. So again, more than a historical document, more than a biography, these Gospels make a claim upon you and me. We we can't read this and then just be like, well, okay, that was great. No, they're saying there's a right answer. And we don't really like that, right? Because we, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. I kind of, yeah, this and that. And I think you can do that for a lot of things in life. But Jesus is saying to understand him as king, as the Messiah, as the Son of God, is to understand him the way the centurion does. At the foot of the cross, saying, surely this one is the Son of God. Why would he say that? The centurion is seeing this man dying. Surely this one is the king. It's written above his head, right on the cross. The king of the Jews. Next time you read these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this is that thread. There are a whole lot of other things in there. Maybe one day we'll take a look at one of these in depth. Who is Jesus? The suffering king who lays down his life for his friends. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Cal St. G Academy. All of these podcasts are recorded at live events and lectures hosted by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. Want to hear more? 
Stop by the church sometime and attend one of these events live. Or swing by one of our many services where we seek to rightly divide the word of truth week by week with sermons that always point to where we end and God begins. Find out more about all of our events and offerings by visiting calvarystgeorges.org. And if these free podcasts have meant something to you and you feel led to support our ministry, head on over to calvarystgeorges.org slash giving and make a donation today. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.